Pastor Nathan always wants me to get a title. I don't always do it. So I'm teaching today on in it to win it. You know, there is a prize. The Apostle Paul told us that the prize is to be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own, but that which is by faith. There is a race to be run, and that race is about the destiny, about the purpose of your life. Now we're teaching about God's grace, God's unmerited provision for everyone, but with that comes certain cautions. We are very concerned that every one of us will experience God's best, and we will experience our promised land. You know, there's a picture in the Old Testament when they were crossing into the promised land that the priest stood in the middle of the river to make sure everybody get across. And that's how Pastor Nathan and I feel. We want everybody to get into God's best and God's promises for you. And if we have to kind of help you and nudge you along, we do that joyously. And so today I'm going to give you a warning, a caution that the Apostle Paul gave in the middle of all the revelation of God's grace. And I give you just the first, the excerpt, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, where he says, lest I myself should be a castaway. Lest I myself, the great apostle, the one who had planted all the churches, the one who had a revelation of Jesus Christ, the one who had such a powerful conversion. He says, I, I'm not going to be haughty. I'm not going to be arrogant because I realize that, that I'm only a human. I have Christ in me. He says, lest I myself would become a castaway. Let me say, first of all, God never cast anyone away. So this is not, don't interpret this. Some people have just negative religious glasses on when they read the Bible and they would automatically assume that there is a suggestion here that God would cast people away. And you know, King David said after his sin, don't cast me away from your presence. But we know because of Jesus, who know more than King David, that God will never cast anybody away because whosoever, whoever you are, that shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God will never leave you nor forsake you. So it's not talking about God casting anyone away. The Greek word here is zemeo, which means to do damage to. It's like Paul is saying that I myself should do damage to myself. Or you could also translate it forfeit, meaning that I have it, but I didn't care that much about it, so I just walked away from it. So we're not talking about any divine judgment here. We are talking about a self-inflicted damage, quitting, giving up, not participating. You know, in Matthew 16, Jesus said, what profit is it to a man? if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. Again, it doesn't say about God causing someone to lose their soul. It says about someone who has his life. Obviously, you can't lose what you don't have. So this person referred to by Jesus, he has his soul. He has life, but he just lets it go. I have it, but I let go of it. There's a church in the book of Revelation called the Philadelphia Church. It means the church of brotherly love. And the angel of the Lord said about that church, I always think about Toronto Celebration Church when I read that, it says that God had put an open door before that church. Do you believe that God has put an open door for our church? And then he says, well, you, you have only a little bit of strength. You know, in the natural, we're always like a, a flyweight boxer boxing in the heavyweight division. But we all write that with that because if our strength seems small, our strength is in the Lord. And then he says, but you have held on to the word, and the word is Jesus Christ, and you have persevered. But then the angel says, Revelation 3.11, hold fast what you have, that no man may take your crown. A crown is a picture of authority. Notice it says here, you have it. He's not praying that you're going to get an authority, that you're going to get an anointing. He says, you have it. Hold on to what you have. Don't let it go. Whatever God's grace has provided. 
Don't withdraw. Don't become bitter. Don't become sluggish. Don't pull back. Keep going to it. Hold on to what you have that no one takes it from you. So today, you know, I like to have you all shouting and joyous, but I am a, a spiritual leader and I want the best for you. So I'm going to give you some meat and potatoes to think about so that you will not be a forfeiter, that I will not be a forfeiter, that I will not do damage to myself and you will not do damage to yourself uh, because we want to run the race and we want to get 100% of everything that God has for every person in this building. Those who are watching me by television or any other means, we want God's best for every person. And so let me give you some examples of people who were forfeiters, self-inflicted damage. The first example is one who rejected certain essentials. It says in 1 Timothy 1, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. So, 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 their life didn't go very well. Of whom are, and they mentioned two names, Hymenus and Alexander. There are two essentials mentioned here. Faith and a good conscience. Now, in contrast to all religions, the gospel tells us something different about faith. That faith is not just a belief system. We have certain doctrines. People say, oh, pastor, what does our church believe? No, faith is much more than that. Faith is a gift of God. Jesus said to the disciples, have the faith of God. The apostle Paul says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who, lo who loved me and gave himself for me. So faith is a gift. It's, it's more than a belief system. It's more than a dogma. It's like the blood pul pulsating through your veins. It is the living force of God inside of you. Don't give up on it. Don't just have faith be a belief system. Don't, don't reject this faith that is a gift of God. And don't reject a good conscience. Immediately we would think, a good conscience, I'm going to try to do everything right, and that's nice as far as it goes. I want to have a good conscience. But can we go by the Bible's definition of what a good conscience is? You know, it says in Hebrews 9, 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ cleanse your conscience from dead works? To serve the living God. So you can have dead works in your conscience. Dead works are religious works. It's when you are trying to make yourself righteous or acceptable. And ultimately that leads to an evil conscience. It says a little bit later on in Hebrews, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. Speaking about how the blood of Jesus Christ has created a new consciousness. Don't give up on that. Don't go back to the religious way of consciousness where you are constantly aware of your sins. You know, Christians are sometimes more sin conscious than non-believers. Some Christians, all they can talk about is sin. Oh, pastor, do you think this is a sin? Do you think that is a sin? Oh, what do you think? What do you think about this? All they can think is sin, 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 sin. No wonder they sin. Hello? That's all you think about. It's like saying, I'm going to abstain from donuts, 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 donuts. And you see pictures of donuts. And you end up eating donuts. It's like saying, I, I, oh, sin. I don't want to stay away from sin. I sin, sin. You're going to end up sinning more. So, so that is a religious way of looking at it. The gospel way you look at it is, I have a new consciousness. My sins have been cast away. It's not that I want to do something wrong and try to justify it. It is just that I see myself as pure and clean before God as Jesus Christ. I am conscious that his righteousness is in me. Don't cast that away. Don't go back to your old religious system where a good conscience is nothing but your attempt to try to say, well, I'm as good as everybody else, or maybe even a little bit better. You're trying to, by dead works, make yourself feel, feel good. Don't go back to that. You will suffer shipwreck. Don't go back to trying to have faith. Oh, I gotta have faith. Oh, I gotta, I gotta produce faith in me. Because the fact is that the faith that moves mountain 
It must be a gift of God. You can never produce it in yourself. Don't give up on that. Don't go back to the old religious way of doing it because you'll end up saying, oh, I can't do it. I quit. I give up. And you suffer shipwreck. So I am determined to hold before me. I have faith. I am a person of faith. You are a person of faith. God has given you the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given you his righteousness. I hold on to that. Let me give you another one here now. Second one, zealous about the inconsequential. It says in 2 Timothy, charge them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to rightly divide the word of truth. And part of that is knowing what happened before Jesus rose from the dead and what happened after. That we have a new covenant and that's for us. Shun profane and idle babblings. Hymenus, he seems to appear in all these. And now he has a new buddy, Philetus, are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth. And it even says there that that thing is spreading like a cancer. So it says here, don't get zealous about things that are inconsequential. You know, good Christians especially the really good ones like you. Say, he's talking about me now. Point is, he's talking about me. Really good Christians like you have a special tendency to be overzealous about the wrong thing because you want to be zealous. So anybody who says, any preacher comes along and says, oh, be zealous for this, or be zealous, you say, oh, whatever, whatever's going, I'm going for it. But Paul says here, there is a way of getting into vain babblings, just words. It doesn't profit. It doesn't bring you anywhere. Ideas, you could say, that take you away from Jesus Christ. You know, we've just come from Israel. I always love to go to Israel. Several of you were with me there. We had uh, people from United States and Canada, from British Columbia to, uh, to Ontario, and then from United States. So we had people from everywhere. One of the things I like about going to Jerusalem, I am reminded again how much I detest religion. Some of you didn't expect that, so you had a, your mind on autopilot. So Jerusalem reminds me about everything that I find so disgusting about religion. You know, there's a special sickness in the, in the medical journals of the nation of Israel. There is a disease, diagnosed disease in the medical journals in Israel that are not in other countries. The disease diagnosed is called the Jerusalem Syndrome. And it strikes many Christians. When they get to Jerusalem, they get a mental illness. It's true. I'm, I, you can go. It, it is an actual disease, a mental illness, for which they will take you to a psychiatric institution in Jerusalem. I imagine the psychiatrist in, in New York or Vancouver or Toronto, maybe they don't know what Jerusalem syndrome is, but it's a real disease. I'm not making this up. Because some people, when they come to Israel, something flips in their brain. They suddenly think they are one of the two witnesses in the book of Revelation, or that they are John the Baptist come back, or that, who knows what they think, they're King David. They have all kinds of thoughts. They, they go a little nutty. Now, of course, we pray a great prayer covering over our tour that nobody will be smitten with this disease, not even, a, not even a slight infection of it. So we keep our tour focused on Jesus Christ. But it just reminds me again how easy it is for people to, to, who mean well, who, who, who really want to serve God, but they flip out in a strange direction. You know, some people, they're like, I just want a special word. And then you find some person who's willing to take you to a dark corner of the church and say, I got a special word for you. Ooh, I had a special word. Really? Really? First of all, whatever prophecy you receive, make sure you bring it to Pastor Nathan and say, I want to put this under the blazing, glorious light of a Holy Spirit anointed local church. Amen? Because otherwise you might... People come up with the strangest things. People focus on all kinds of things 
that aren't fundamental. They, they want to, it could be a little bit important, but it's not really fundamental. Can, can I, some people will argue till the cows come home, whether the earth is 6,000 years old or not. Well, let me ask you this. Does it say anywhere in the Bible that it is? It really doesn't. Jesus never talked about it. So maybe it is, maybe it is. I don't care. I don't care. That's what the Bible, no. The first person who ever said that was a bishop from Ireland in 1650. After Christ, that is, not before Christ, because there were no bishops before Christ. 1650 after Christ, there was a bishop in Ireland who wrote a, a, a treatise, a doctoral thesis on the idea of the age of the earth. Jesus never mentioned it. Now, you, you can believe whatever you want, but some people, they make that their whole ministry. And I'll say what? You could suffer shipwreck. Or you're worried about the tribulation. You go, you should have been with us. We were just at Armageddon. We were there. The sun was shining. I was disappointed. I was looking for the Antichrist somewhere under a bush, but he didn't appear. At least I didn't see him. Uh, you know, people get so caught up in these things. People get caught up. Like, for example, I just, you know, teasing the people. I said, now, and I know this is true. People looking for a third temple to be built in Jerusalem. People get totally caught up in that, which Jesus never said, which the apostles never said. And the temple of God is mentioned 13 times in the book of Revelation. It never refers to a temple in Jerusalem, only to the temple in heaven. And furthermore, I said, what are we going to do in that temple? I understand our Jewish friends. I love my Jewish friends. I love Israel. I understand why they want a third temple. I understand that because they haven't been able to make sacrifices for 2,000 years. I applaud their effort. But why people like us, people of God? who believe that Jesus is the final sacrifice for all sin, that Jesus is our high priest, that God doesn't be, live in a building by man's hand, but our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't understand why we get excited about it. Well, you know, there's this preacher. Said, Preachers have been saying things for, go back to the book. Focus on the majors. If you want your life to count, there's always some issue to discuss. You say, you're messing with my head now. Yeah, I am on purpose. You should thank me for it. Then I meet people from all across the country. So I met somebody, they were telling us, and Tyna was right there about, you know, they went to a church, and, and the pastor there micromanages people's lives. It was actually very close to here. And they can't buy a car. They can't, they can't buy a refrigerator without checking with the pastor of the church. Friends, we say, well, that's so wonderful. You know, the pastor really cares. I can't do a thing. I, you, you know, I can't, you can't do anything. You could be 50 years old. You can't even go on a date. First of all, and you think, well, that's so spiritual. such a beautiful relation. It's not beautiful. It's going to stifle you as an individual. It's going to make you less than what you were meant to be. And you're putting too much power in the hand of someone who's obviously deeply insecure, who needs to micromanage your life in order to feel good about him or herself. Are you with me? And you say, well, this is, this is what I do. No, no, you're getting, you're getting carried away, away from what is the simplicity in Jesus Christ. The whole point of what, why we're teaching God's word is not for you to have to be micromanaged for the rest of your life, but you stand up on your own two feet and you have a witness of Jesus Christ in you and he's working in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. His life is flowing through you. You have his wisdom. You make decisions. It doesn't mean you can't ask for advice that's a whole different thing i'm saying people get into all these things and forget the gospel forget the finished work of jesus forget reaching people around them and ultimately they kind of do damage to themselves you know there's an expression in hosea chapter 7 verse 8 it says about ephraim ephraim is a cake half baked well i, I was going to preach a whole sermon on that are you a cake half-baked? Uh, Carrie, you should try that with the young people. That, that might work. You see, that, that's what the Bible is warning us against. God doesn't want you to be a half-baked cake. Who wants to eat a half-baked cake? Who wants to eat potatoes that are only half-boiled? That's nice. Come on now. See, see, this is what I'm talking about. I want everybody here to be a fully-baked cake. 
You're going to be everything that God had planned. You're going you're to win the race. You're going to obtain the prize. You are a winner. You're an overcomer. Oh, let, let me give you something on it. Another one, he says, loving the world. What does that mean? Shouldn't we love the world, Pastor Peter? He says, God so loved the world. But he's not speaking about the world as in the planet with its people. It's talking about a system of values that are different from God's kingdom. 2 Timothy 4.10, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed. So here was a fellow Demas, it's a great plan for his life, but what does it mean he loved the world? What does that mean? Sounds kind of threatening. Well, you know, there's certain values, certain things that are valuable in God's kingdom. For example, humility. Would that be a good thing? I define humility as seeking dependence on God in what you do. Pride would be seeking independence from God in what you do. Like I'm my own person. Humility is a beautiful trait. But sometimes the world system doesn't value humility. It values you more if you're braggadocious, if you're condescending, if you look down on other people, if you step on other people. But God's kingdom values humility. God says that he will exalt the humble. Come on now. Come on. Generosity, charity, all that is valued. You know, so it says uh, this present world. Now the Romans had their present world. We have a present world today. You know this, this, uh, what's valuable? I'm going to ask you this, not to make you feel bad, but just say, what's valuable to you? How many likes you got on Facebook? Because you may be disappointed. Some people have their value. Like I read an article recently about young people in the church, born-again people, and, and they were interviewing them and talking to them and said they had literally anxiety about going to youth service, but, but their clothing that they would fit in. They would look cool enough. I don't know. I suppose it's a... So the value is, is the clothes, the brand name. I don't know. Is that your highest value? You know, money. I like money. If, if money is no problem for you, give it to me. I need it for the gospel. But, but, you know, money can also become a God to you. I mean, I enjoy life. How many here enjoy life? I, I, I enjoy that the Raptors won the title. I would sure enjoy it if the Toronto Maple Leafs would win. I remember when the Blue Jays won. I enjoyed that. But that's not life to me. It really didn't help, help any one of us. Did, did it make you have a happier marriage? Did it, did it make you prosper more? No, it's just, it's just that's not our life. You know, sometimes I get a little annoyed so I can overreact a little bit. You know that about me, right? I like to provoke. How many you know I'm a provocateur? So I told you one time, I went into a, a men's store and they wanted to sell me this brand name shirt with a certain logo on it. So I said to the man in the store, how much are you going to pay me if I get that shirt? He said, what, what do you mean, pay you? Well I, well, I said, it's obviously that you work for this company. The logo was here. And you want me to be a walking billboard for that company. So I expect to get paid. You can't just think that I'm going to do it for free. And you want me to pay for this shirt and I'm going to be a walking billboard. I said, is the owner of that company, is he wearing a shirt saying Toronto Celebration Church? I mean, I, I, you want to do a trade? The man just said, he, he was almost fainted in the men's store. But I was just making a point because I, I don't really, I mean, I can wear, you know, whatever little logo. That's not the point. I'm just saying, that's not my life. That's not my value system. Say, I sure don't want to go shopping with him, okay. Uh, you know, order online, okay. Uh, are you with me? But people get caught up in this. It's so important to them. You know, it says in 1 John 2, 15, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. The world is passing away. That means this world system with its values are passing away. And the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So here you have a contrast between two loves. You have the love of the Father, agape, the unselfish love that loves you in your darkest moment, loves you at your worst. And then you have the love of the world that can kind of go a little bit up and down. And they're, they're in contrast. And what is, you said, the lust of the flesh. Now I know what you all are thinking, sex. Because that's what people think about. 
I tell you, of course, sex could be included here. I mean, not all kinds of sex, because there's sex with the one you're married with. Are you with me now? Let me get off the topic of sex, but just for a moment, focus on it. It, it could be other things. Unhealthy cravings. Lust of the flesh. I'm back to the donuts. You know, you eat a pecan pie every night. It is no wonder that you haven't lost weight. I mean, it's not a miracle. It's just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know how it happened. Didn't God create pecans? He did, but I mean, it's not like, how many are with me? You know, you say, I want to go to that all-you-can-eat lunch. Well, <laughs> all right, moving along. Everybody got the point. And the, the lust of the eyes, what is that? Well, it could be several things. It, but it, it could be consumerism. Just, just like I have to shop, I have to shop, I have to shop till I drop. I mean, we really had a test of that in Israel, you know, because every time the bus stops, there's a merchant by the bus. And the merchant is there having, you can have your name in Hebrew letters, you can have this and that, you can have a bottle of oil, you don't know, you can have holy water, you don't know if it came out of the, the tap or where. It's just, and you just have to have it. You know, you go to the mall, it's like a temptation because there are temptations, little demons of shopping sitting in every store and they are beckoning you 70% off, 50% off, 30% off. Everything is off. Whole store is for sale. It's been like that. I know one store that I know for a fact has been like that for 40 years uninterrupted. They are closing and I went by there again, hadn't seen it for several years and sure enough, the whole store has been for sale at least since the 1980s. <laughs> the pride of life. You know, the, the need to be con that condescending, feeling I'm, I'm better than other people. No, no, no. That, that's, the, that's the world system. And we get caught up in that. We could be forfeiters, do damage to ourselves. Now, let me give you more. Discontent. There was a fellow called Saul. He was king. And, uh, you know, the Bible says, be, be contented. See, some of us have a problem with that verse. Like, what do you mean, be contented? I, I want more. Well, if you want more revelation about God, you want more things to bless the gospel, that's one thing. But there's also a general discontent with yourself. And Saul had been anointed to be king. How many know that's a pretty good job, being king? But he says, I don't want to just be a king. I want to be the priest too. So he just, he was just unsatisfied. And so it says like this, he received this message, 1 Samuel, your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord sought for himself a man after his own heart. See, this fellow Saul, he had a very good start. It says in the Bible, he was tall, handsome, and he was little in his own eyes. Isn't that nice? He was humble. He, was, he didn't think I'm a big shot. But then this thing, he wanted what he was not. You know, you can suffer shipwreck over that. Now, I'm saying to people, people say, I want to become a pastor. I said, why? You're going to have greater judgment. <laughs> what? what? I just want to be a pastor so then I can do whatever I want to do in church. That's the last thing that happened to you. Poor Pastor Nathan, he can hardly do a thing he wants to do. I mean, some of you, you could just take Sunday morning off and say, oh, I feel like it. I have a little sniffles. I have a little flu. I feel a little hot. He can't even do that. He can't even get sick. He's not allowed to. Not allowed to. I feel a little bit moody today. He's not allowed to. He can't hardly do a thing he wants to do. No, I think he actually wants to do the good things, but I'm just saying, how many understand what I'm talking about? So, so, people just... Parents, can I talk to parents? You don't want your kids to be forfeiters. Don't tell your kids, oh, little Charlie, 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 Charlie. You can be anything you want. He can't. He can't. Well, little Susie, you can be anything you want. No, don't tell them that. Help your child to discover their talents and their gifts and what they're good at. And then help them to be the best they can be in that area. Because if we got kids coming out of high school thinking, I can be anything I want to be. No, you can't. For example, you can't play in the NBA just because you want to. You mean I feel I feel trampled upon. My values are being trampled. I want to play. No, you can't. You can't. There's a lot of things you can't do. You say, well, I want to be a concert pianist. Do you play the piano? No. I go, 
twinkle, twinkle, little star. Well, but I want to do it. I feel, I feel humiliated. Well, you can. But, but, you know, I always say, you can't make a dairy cow into a Kentucky Derby racehorse. No matter how much you pray for the dairy cow, you say, oh, I impart the racing anointing upon you, dear uh, dairy cow. No, you believe for that dairy cow to produce more milk than any other dairy cow in the whole country. So, some, you know, we live in a celebrity culture, so people want to be somebody else. Maturity is actually one of the signs of maturity is that you're actually comfortable with who God made you to be. You don't have to try to be like anybody else. If you're a preacher, you don't have to try to preach like anybody else. You, you just are who God made you to be. And you say, I'm happy. I have Christ living in me. He gave me my personality. It may seem funny to some, not funny to others, but Christ manifests through my personality. He lives through me. Stay in your lane. Here's something else. Cowardice. It says about Queen Esther. You know, she, she was beautiful. She must have been really beautiful. Come on. Can you say beautiful? beautiful. Ooh, la la. What a beautiful lady. And so, but there was an evil man there, Haman, who wanted to destroy her. She had to help her, her uncle Mordecai. And God wanted to work through Esther. But the question is, was she too afraid or would she step up? So we read like this. If you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews because it was an anti-Semitic movement by this Haman trying to destroy the Jews. So deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So in other words, step up. Esther, God's hand is on your life. I say that to you today. God's hand is on your life. But you know what we all have to realize? What God was saying to Esther, you know, you're not the only chicken in the coop. You're not the only game in town, Esther. God is going to fulfill his plan. It's going to happen. What God said is going to happen. And you have the chance to step up and say, here am I, send me. But you also have the choice of forfeiting. Saying, nah, I don't have the boldness. And then God will still have his way, but somebody else will run your race. How many don't want that to happen? You want to run your race? I tell you, here we are. We believe in God for a worldwide awakening to the reality of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what I still believe in. I don't know where you're at. I believe that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I still say, God, give us the nations. Give us the ends of the earth. Give us whatever resources. Give us the workers. Give us the finances. Give us the wisdom. Lord, I thank you. I believe in a world awakening. How about you? Workers, maybe. Maybe you say, I should step up and be a worker. Ah, somebody else. Maybe God wants to work in finances through you. Through you. I grew up in a home where the source of contention was always finances. Because by the 23rd or 24th of the month, we were broke. Always. Our month was too long. You know, if we could only have 23-day months, we would have been fine. It was from the 23rd to the 30th day. That's when we got into trouble. Maybe you grew up, so I understand. It's a curse to not have enough. But could it be that people who feel like I don't have enough, could it be that God actually would like to partner more with you in finances, but instead of saying, God, I'm going to partner with you, you're squeezing the queen till she cries, holding on to every loony and toony, whatever we got on them, beavers and squirrels here in Canada. We have all kinds of funny-looking money, and you say, oh, I'm on a hoard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get all I can, and I'm going to sit on the can. Nobody's going to touch my stuff. Well, then you're on your own. Could it be that, that God is, you're in a good church for this? Because this is a church with a world vision. Are you ready to step up? 
Is somebody willing to step up and say, God, I want to be a banker for you. I want to be a financier. I want to be the one that you can trust God with money. Because we wouldn't want you to become multimillionaires and then we never see you again. I would say to Pastor Nathan, you know, those people, they were struggling. The fenders on their car were flapping. They had rust everywhere. What happened? Oh, Pastor Nathan would say, they did a good business deal, and, and now we don't see them anymore. They are multimillionaires. Last weekend, they were in the Bahamas. This weekend, they're in Las Vegas. Next weekend, they're flying over to Honolulu for the weekend. I said, I... Oh, why did we pray for prosperity for them? I said, we, we, should have, we should have held it back. They were more useful in the kingdom before they hit the big. How many, want to, how many want to hit some pay dirt and still be faithful to Jesus? Come on, talk to me. Are you ready to step up? Are you ready to release what's in your hand? Step up to the. I got to hurry because I'm running out of time here. Here's how Paul said it. I read it now. More of it in context. 1 Corinthians 9. I am free from all men, yet I made myself servant to all. To the Jews I became as a Jew. To them that are under the law as under the law. To them that are without the law as without the law. Being not without the law towards God, but under the law of Christ, which is the law of freedom. To the weak I became as weak. I am in all things to all, that I might by all means save some. I do this for the gospel's sake, that I might partake in it with you. Don't you know that they which run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run that you may obtain. And everyone that strives for mastery is temperate in all things. I therefore run not with uncertainty. I don't fight as one beats in the air. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest I myself should become a castaway, that I would kind of forfeit, self-inflict damage to me. Let, let me just summarize this. I think there's at least five principles here, but I'm going to very fast. First of all, he says, I am free from approval addiction. I'm free from people. I'm free from approval addiction. You know, to run your race, your joy cannot be in somebody else's head and their approval of you. Poor Simon Peter, you know, when Jesus said, one of you will betray me, he had such an approval addiction. He said, oh, not me, Lord, not me. Like, shut up, Simon Peter. At least keep your mouth shut. You're going to be the one that actually does the betrayal, but he, he had such a need to be accepted. Everybody said, no, 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 it's not me. Then he's sitting with the young girl at, at the campfire there, and, and the girl says, oh, are you from Galilee? Maybe you know Jesus. Oh, no, 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 I don't know Jesus. So now he's so insecure, he has to even please this young stranger because he has to fit in. He so much needs approval. You know, I, I just want to make sure... Don't look to others for your direction and approval. Look inside. Look at the Christ that is in you, who is the umpire of your life. Learn to sometimes say no. N-O. It's a two-letter word. It's powerful. And you can say it nicely. Some people have such an approval addiction, they can't say no. But you can say it nicely. You can say Thank you for offering that, but I, maybe I will do it later, not now. That's a nice one. Are you with me? Or you might say, I will do it, but not now. I'll do it in two hours when I have time. And oh, because you keep saying yes to everything. You could end up going to business with the wrong person. You could end up, I was thinking about sex again now. You could end up saying, oh, I just want to be accepted. So you end up in a terrible relationship. You have sexual relationship. You, you sell out your body. Don't do it. Because you have Christ in you. Know who you are. Then, then, then he says, I'm a servant to all. He says, you know, I can encourage others when I feel like I need to be encouraged most myself. 
He says, you know, to the Jewish people, I'd be a Jew. To the Gentile, I'd be a Gentile. To those who are under the law, I'm like under the law. And to those who are not under the law, I'll be, to the barbarians, I'll be a barbarian. I'll be whatever I need to be, not compromising Jesus Christ. That's how I feel. It doesn't matter to me. I go to a church where they all take off their shoes. They think the ground is holy. I'm not going to bother explaining it to them. I take off my shoes too. I have bigger fish to fry. Don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in outward things, but serve people. I got to hurry. A transcendent purpose. He says, what I do, the reason I do it is for the gospel's sake. Do you have a transcendent purpose, something beyond just to satisfy myself? I'll tell you something. You know, people say that once you, once you get a certain amount of money, you kind of have the same satisfaction in life, and it's not that much. It's actually below the average household income in Canada. People say it doesn't really matter. You know, one time I was invited to a home of a very rich person, a multi-billionaire actually, and I was invited there. And I was sitting and he was serving me blueberries and pineapples and bread and juice. And I had a revelation. His blueberries don't taste any better than mine. In fact, I have had better blueberries than this. Because somebody thinks, oh, if somebody's a billionaire, their blueberries must be awesome. No, no better than mine. True. I've had better sandwiches. And this particular person, he had a toothache. I didn't have a toothache. He had. You see, see, sometimes, you know, you can only do so much. So for me, money, what is the incentive for money? Once you have enough, you can only wear one pair of shoes, unless you're Imelda Marcos. Then you need shoes for morning, noon, and night every day of your life. And if you don't know who she is, don't worry about it. Uh, those from the Philippines will know, okay, at least for sure. You, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry. You, you, cannot, you cannot buy any more happiness. So, so when I talk about money, I want money for the gospel. I want to influence people. That's, that's why I want money. You, you know, you can, only, you can only have so many suits and so many whatever you have, so many pajamas. I don't even like people buying me T-shirts. They say, don't buy me a T-shirt. I like my old T-shirts. China. She tries to throw away my old t-shirts. She said, no, 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 don't throw them away. I don't, th- I shouldn't tell you this, but can you bear with me? I haven't preached for a long time. I, I'm a, you know, I was over in Indonesia and I had these old shoes, these shoes that you wear without socks. And Tina's telling me, you need to throw them away. I said, no, these are my favorite. Somebody said to me, you know, said after three, four months, they start smelling. I'd had them for 10 years. So, so, so I, I said, Tyna, I'm bringing them to Indonesia. When I walk around the room, I want to have these favorites. I just don't throw them away. She said, I'll buy you new ones. I don't want any new ones. I want these. So I'm sitting there in the hotel lobby, and this nice family comes up. Very nice, rich-looking family. And they want me to pray for their daughter in the hotel. So I begin to pray, and I'm praying. I'm thinking, something smells. I'm thinking, this family looks so rich and wealthy and they look so, why do they stink? And then I realized it was my shoes. You see what I'm saying? So I had to bury them after 10 years. I, I said, Taina, they're gone. I buried them in Indonesia. She was so happy. True story. I tell you a true story. I mean, so, so, I don't know why I tell these stories, but I'm telling you, we want money, we want influence, not for self, but for the gospel. Temperance. He says, I'm temperate. It means discipline. Study. You know, go, coming to church on Sunday, it's got to get in your blood. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. It's like, it's like I, what? I'm, I'm like, I feel wrong if I didn't. It's good to come together. Giving. You know, TV. You know what I try to do? How many watch TV? Don't raise your hand. I know you all do. Or you watch your phone. At least wait till you're really tired in the evening when you can't do any good job anyhow. So now I'm so exhausted I can't produce anymore. Let's watch TV. And you can fall asleep. Just a little tip. Be disciplined. You know, we just had a dear brother on the trip. He just had open heart surgery. Fairly young man. And the doctor said to him, he said, you know what caused you that? He drank several energy drinks a day for years. Don't do that. Don't live on those energy drinks. Respect yourself. 
You have Christ in you. Respect who you are. You're not just an anybody. You can't just put garbage down your body. You're redeemed. You belong to Jesus. Oh, I understand. You can get a little kick out of it. I've, I've tasted that kick out of it. But, but don't take two or three of those a day, and then you're going to end up having open-heart surgery. You, 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 you're too valuable. Say, he's talking to me. Say, he's talking to me. You're too valuable. Have some respect. Watch who you date. That is for those who should date. And I don't mean just Dean, whoever else is in that category of single, sincere, and searching. Winning at it. He says, I fight to win. Don't whine, complain, having an entitlement. I wish I could really preach this, but I'm out of time. Don't forfeit. Damage yourself. You know, one of the reasons we give an invitation for people to receive Christ, because frankly, when you lift your hand and say, I want to be included in prayer, what you're saying is this, I'm free from other people's opinions. It's not that you couldn't go home and crawl under the cover and say, thank you, Jesus, that you are my Savior and confess him. You could. You could do that. But the reason we say, would you acknowledge it? Because it's kind of a way to break free. You're stepping into that lifestyle of the Apostle Paul. I, I know God's not going to cast me away. I understand this. I understand God has an awesome plan for my life. But you know what? I'm going to respond to that and say, I I'm not a slave to other people's opinions. I can lift my hand. I can pray. Jesus said, if you confess me, I confess you before the Father. You can say, I don't want to be a half-baked cake. I want to live my whole life and say, I'm half-baked. I mean, what a testimony that is. I'm half-baked. And you say, 10 years later, I'm still half-baked. No, I'm going to choose a good conscience. I'm going to choose this offer of a good conscience that has been cleansed from dead works by I received this gift of Christ's righteousness. i got to stop. Would you bow your head with me all over this room right now? I don't want anybody to not get across the river. I speak... Symbolically, I don't want anybody to not get to the very best and run your race and win the prize. But that's why it's not our ritual that Pastor Nathan and I have. Lift your hand and we're going to say a prayer. It's because it helps to break loose from that addiction to what everybody else is doing and I got to fit in. You are a uniquely worthwhile, valued, beloved person. God loves you. And I'm asking you to say, I receive that. I don't want to live with a sin consciousness, thinking that I'm not forgiven, wondering if I have new life or not. I want to receive the new life. I want to receive the, this gift of God. I want to give you the opportunity while every head is bowed. If you say, Peter, when you pray this morning this prayer of receiving Christ and forgiveness of sin, I want to be included, and I'm going to lift my hand to signal that. Would you lift it up right now? Wherever you're sitting, you say, I want to be included. God bless you. God bless you. Lift your hand up. Anybody else here right now, this is your opportunity. Yes, God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Beautiful. Let's all stand together right now. Everybody stand up. Would you pray like this with me? Everybody in the whole building pray. Would you say, Heavenly Father, thank you for this love. Thank you for what you have done for me. That you put my sins away once for all. And today I confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. I receive God's faith. To believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. I repent of dead works. And I follow the Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord that I'm accepted. Amen. Amen. Lift your hand and give praise to God right now. That is so beautiful. Thank, oh, come on, let's give a big clap. Come on, let's give a big clap. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I give you praise, Lord. I preach myself all happy. I'm all, I'm happy for you. How many got the message today? 
First of all, those of you who said, I received Christ, we have a book for you out there at the Welcome Center. Please go there. It's called Salvation, God's Gift to You. We want to share that with you. And we welcome you to this spiritual home called Toronto Celebration Church. Make sure you shake hands with Pastor Nathan, who is our lead pastor. He'll be at the door in just a moment. But I feel like I came here today and I felt like, you know, I felt the anointing of the pastor in me. I'm a lot of things. People call me an apostle, an evangelist, okay. but I'm also a pastor. And I want all of you to get across the river. I want all of you, so I love you enough that I'm going to give you a warning like the Apostle Paul gave concerning himself. How many feel like the Lord spoke to you in one of these eight or ten different areas I touched upon? You said, I, 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 I see God is talking. Lift up your hand way up high. I want to pray for everybody here right now. Time has run out to do anything else. And of course, healing is always a part of what we do because without health in your body, how much are you going to enjoy the rest of life? But put your hand on your body right now. Put your hand right there. Father, I pray for every person, from the youngest person to the oldest person in our church. I pray that everybody will cross the river into the promised land. Now, here and now. I'm not talking about heaven. Lord, you know what I'm talking about, but I'm saying this for the people. We're talking about the promised land of the fullness of God here and now. Lord, if we become sidetracked, if we begin to major on the minors instead of majoring what's important, vain ideas, vain speculations, whether from supposedly from your scripture or not, whatever it is, Father, we want to run the race. And I pray for everybody here that the traditions of men will not destroy their life. I pray that they will not be sidetracked because of zeal and just being open to whatever. I pray that they will just enjoy good food and not bad food. I thank you, Heavenly Father. I thank you for your protection and the blood of Jesus being applied to every family. Come on, let's pray for every family. I'm praying for your kids now, for the ones who are in children's church, for those who are not here. Father, I thank Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ marking every home, every household. I thank you. Some of you have been praying for your family. And you're almost ready to give up. You almost maybe like uh, Schubert said before, you know, you, you say, well, nothing has happened yet. Let me tell you something. Even if you feel like you're quitting to believe, God doesn't quit believing. Jesus believes for your family. So in the name of the Lord, I thank you it's so. Amen. Let's give Jesus praise right now. I give you praise, Lord.